Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. This is Penelope Flynn and the remainder of your Blood Sasses Next Door here in the other hood. We got Sonia, Otto, Nikki, and Cranston. And this evening, we're going to talk a little bit about our Hollywood casting the, uh, I guess the actors that were chosen or cast versus those that were not cast and those that we would have cast. But before we get started, we are going to talk a little about the weather. So Sonia, tell us about your weather, the two-pronged approach of <laughs> and where you are. Where I was was Atlanta and it was getting nice and cool and breezy and comfortable and then I came down to Tallahassee, Florida, and it's hot and it's muggy. <laughs> oh and actually, people are saying it's great football weather. Yeah, but I don't watch. I don't do football anymore. Why so. is hot and muggy good football weather? Because I'm in the sure. evening, it's supposed to be, if it's hot and muggy in the afternoon, it's cooler and whatever in the evening. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't know about that. I've never heard of that. That's a new one for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, and so, so how it, and so now you're saying it's muggy. Then it's, it, it's right? humid. I forgot that Tallahassee's like 45 minutes from the coast, mm. and so all that nice breeze that would be generated from wherever to get to Atlanta. By the time it gets to Atlanta, it's nice and cool, but it has to start mm. out hot and muggy somewhere, and it's Tallahassee. Okay. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about football weather is no matter what the weather is, if they're playing football, somebody's going to say, it's football weather, you know. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is, it's always football weather, isn't it? But I think the only home game this to, here in Tallahassee is FAMU. I haven't fully checked because it wasn't that crowded outside when we went. So that was actually a good thing. FSU's not playing? Not home. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, well, we'll uh, step over toward the east. You, Cranston, how is your weather? Actually, it is actually for what passes for fall. Uh, this week, it was still sunny most of the week, but not too unbearably so. And the highs have been in the mid-80s, and the lows have been in the mid-70s. So it's, um, this is, uh, it's, it's about as fall as fall gets. Okay, sounds good to me. And you, Nikki, how is it down in the sunny South Florida? Well, in the afternoon times, I mean, for the past few weeks, we've been getting these bad afternoon showers, and it's raining now, and it's just like 80 degrees today. I mean, right now, 79 to 80 80? degrees. Yeah. But do you have any wind, any breeze? I don't know. I've not been outside. I just see that it's okay. raining. Oh, okay. Well, you can, yeah, all right. You stay inside then. Stay inside of the rain. All right. And Otto, how is your weather? Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that the only fall we had 
was that we fell into a hell's mouth and we're still in the hell's mouth and it's hot. And at least I know one thing for sure is that hell can't be hot because hell was hot all the time. People get used to it like we are now. So um, hell has to be some sort of like hot, cold or cold or some sort of some sort of other thing. But it's, it's, in other words, it's freaking hot. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think so. It did. And that's what makes it so bad. So we said, okay, finally, we've turned the corner. And we turn the corner, then turn right back into the U-turn. Yeah, that's not what that's that's not what my electric bill says. Yeah, my electric bill said no. Your ass still hot. So. Okay, yeah. There we go. All right. Boop. So now let's move on to our issue, which is some of the Hollywood casting. Now, like I was saying in the notes of the show, everybody knows the story about uh, Indiana Jones that. Tom Selleck was the person that they had originally identified for that role, but his schedule was not such that he could take you know, the film because he was working, I guess, on Magnum P.I. And the role then went to Harrison Ford. And, you know, and that was history, you know, a huge role franchise, you know, basically that was made because he had the opportunity to take that role. But I wonder, thinking back, how Tom Selleck would have done in the role of Indiana Jones. And I, it's weird because now having seen Harrison uh, in the role, I don't know how Tom Selleck would have done that role. I don't know if he could have. Not with the same kind of, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek, smirky kind of attitude that uh, Harrison Ford has uh, because Harrison Ford is more like a, he's not, you know, particularly attractive. So he's just like a guy doing this. Where Tom Selleck, you know, he's like Marlboro Man attractive. So maybe it was better to get someone who was not, you know, very attractive to play that role because they're more in the role. I don't know. Does anybody else have any um, idea about that? I don't I think it could have been one of those things where it would have been a different take on the character, but I don't think he would have done a bad job but it wouldn't have been Harrison Ford. And of course, for a lot of these choices, after you see the person who kind of inhabited part, uh, you don't, you can't see anybody else uh, being in that part. Mm -hmm. I think Tom Selleck would have done a great job in that role, because I think in the beginning of the, the first Raiders of the Lost Ark, you see the students, the the, the yeah. students, uh, you know, making goo goo eyes at at the teacher, and Harrison Ford is you know okay looking, plain looking, but Tom Selleck, like you said, is marble man, handsome. Yeah. So I yeah. think you know a lot of that would have would have would have went well, as well as the the romance that went on between. Um, I think what's that name? Miriam, the the, the yeah, cowboy. Yeah, but I'm yeah, gonna tell you. I mean, when because I because of the age, yeah, the age difference, and yeah, everything were made a little more. It would have been a little less icky since they were closer to age than Karen Allen and um, Tom Selleck were. Yeah, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been as icky as when you realized that she was 16 and he was like 24. The Harrison Ford change. He would have been like. 22 if it was Tom Selleck or 20. 
he wouldn't have been an undergrad a uh, 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 graduate student. He would have been an undergrad student. Yeah, but I mean, still, you know how would they would have played it? I mean, did they change the script in order to deal with that? I age think it was still. Not, I think it was still to me. He would have came off as being cringy. Too old. Mm -hmm. Being too old to to uh, have a romance with uh, someone who's yes, it's one of those things that they just slip by and they hope the audience won't notice. And it was like years later before somebody said, "Wait a minute," that they did. Uh, yeah, but I think the issue is strange to me. Well, not strange, but it's telling that the persons who wrote this screenplay didn't think that there was anything particularly um, inappropriate about it, you know? I mean, what, to me, the script does acknowledge that it was inappropriate. It because... does say I was a child, but they don't, it, but he doesn't suffer any negative, you know, action, negative effect based on the fact that he was having a relationship with, you know, a person who was basically a child. And and even uh, and even more telling is the fact that he still got his doctorate after doing that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, now of course, you know, it's kind of like people who hook up with someone who is underage, and then you know they age up, and then they say, "Well, now they're an adult." So you know, it's, it's it makes okay. it even it makes it even more uh, of an issue when you have somebody who's. You know, Marble Man, irresistible, as opposed mm -hmm. to um, Harrison Ford. So, right. so it adds a little, adds a little bit of, of, of more of a, of, of, you know, substance to it. Me, and I think yeah. Tom Selleck could have. There's, no, there's no scene. I don't think. I don't think there's any scene that Tom Selleck couldn't carry off that Harrison Ford carried off, except for the the ad lib scene where he shoots. Harrison Ford just shoots a guy. Yes. With the, yeah. Exactly. You know what? And that's such a Harrison Ford thing. And that's the, the other issue is that if someone like Tom Selleck had shot that guy, I think it would have been more off-putting. Well, it was ad-libbed, so I don't know if, yeah. it, if it even... That's one of the seminal, you know, uh, scenes in, in the movie. Right. The series. Yeah. But I, it, would never, it never would have happened, and it's is it worth it. Yeah. It, it may be worth it. Yeah. So yeah, in that, that sense, you know, that type of film, so yeah, I guess Tom Selleck would have been the attractive swashbuckling type, but I think, you know, it's almost like when you think about the fact that like James Bond is not supposed to be particularly, you know, good looking and stand out. He's supposed to blend in, you know, somebody who can slip in, slip out of places without really being noticed. Well, he, so he, James that, Bond is supposed to slip in you know, someplace in Monaco, he's not he's not going to slip in. You know, at a at a steel factory or something. But you know, it depends on where where it is. Your the the background where you're supposed to be slipping in. I think that in in Tom Selleck, you, you don't get that Harrison Ford shooting the guy with the the scimitar, right? Because right. because that scene was ad lib because Ford was apparently sick or something and. He didn't want to shoot another scene, a fight scene, or something like that. Yeah, and just to do things that we, I have a gun. Why would I not shoot the person, right? But I think also that if if shot someone, I just don't. I mean, I, I, I guess he did. I guess you know, 
the show he did was kind of comedic to some extent, but not at the same level. You know what I mean? I think it would have been more sitcom funny or TV funny as opposed to sarcasm funny. I think you're right. I think Well, it depends. Like you say that, but you know, you have, and, and we'll come on this as well, but you know, you have Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. Right. You know, as opposed to... Um, yeah. So, you know, Michael J. Fox was sarcastically funny in Back to the Future. It wasn't sitcom funny. To me, it wasn't. But. He was more physical funny for me. It was, you know, he, he would do the pratfalls if necessary, as opposed to where you could, it would, Eric's was more a thinking man funny. Uh, you know, I didn't think of it, I saw the little pieces they did with Eric Stoltz. I didn't find it to be funny at all. Well, it was not, it was not funny. It was, it was pretty, uh, well, it was a different movie. It's a totally different movie. It was a running joke for those of you who haven't seen The Flash, and this was only a minor spoiler, where uh, one of the things that lets The Flash know that things have changed is everybody talks about Eric Stokes and what a fantastic job he did in Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. And everything. And so, uh, yeah, so some of these casting choices, it was it, uh, sometimes the, uh, the people realize we thought this was going to work, but it didn't. And uh, this is one of those rare instances where they decided to uh, scrap everything. And because um, they were still shooting Facts of Life at the same time, uh, most of Michael J. Fox's scenes were done at night when he was off that set. Then he got a couple of hours sleep and came back to do Facts of Life, you know, the next family morning. Family, family, family times. times. Family times, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that if, if Michael J. Foss couldn't make that work for him, couldn't Tom Selleck make that work for him at Magnum P.I.? Is that, or, that, or was that just impossible to happen? I, think I, don't already, know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I had always heard that it was actually his agent who told him to turn it down because he said, well, you know, this, I think it was what Spielberg had done right after uh, 1942, which was one of his more forgettable efforts and uh -huh. figured, well you know you can uh you have this hit television show and then you go do this movie and stuff that's going to drag you down so wow. you know, just just uh stay away from it he could wow. so so bottom line for me as far as I, I i i heard what cranston said and so to me it wasn't tom Selleck just wasn't chosen or his contract was an issue it's just that you know his people decided for him not to do it yeah, I stick thought it was, it was unavailable. Yeah, it was stick to the role you had, not the ch big chance of the Hollywood. It could because they didn't think it would work. They thought Indiana Jones was going to be a bomb. So he, ob according to what I was just reading, he had to he oblig he took his obligation to the series. He decided not to do it. I mean, it, yeah. it's a choice. It, it wasn't. Oh my God, I'm. I can't catch this train because I got to catch this other train. It's like I'll think of every other reason for me not to be not to be available right. to do this. If right. I really wanted to do it, it would be he would Tom Selleck would have been Indiana Jones. Right, but obviously that was not a thing that he wanted to do, or that his agents didn't think was going to be a good move for him. Now the opposite of that was, of course, when they had really wanted uh, Pierce Brosnan to do James Bond. 
Mm -hmm. But he was locked into doing Remington Steel, and they wouldn't let him take time off. Even they said, well, you can't do it during the summer. You can't do it, period, and stuff. So he had to wait almost for a decade before he finally got a chance to do that. Do you do you believe that, or do you think it's one of those Tom Selleck-like issues? No, I think that was really one that NBC wanted to, uh, they said, you know, if he gets a taste of movie starting, he's not going to want to come back. So we're going to hold him to this contract. Isn't that something? And but there people was a... break, But people break contracts all the time, and people buy contracts out, and there's so many legality, mm -hmm. legal loopholes. But I think this I just was... think it's something else. I think, I think this occurred when um, he was a new father, so he was more... You know, I, I got a steady gig. I got to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. And NBC were being asked yeah. nine about it. I was just reading about somebody else that had to turn down. Hugh Jackman was awarded uh, James Bond, but he turned down because they wouldn't let him have any say-so in the script. So they offered it to Daniel Craig. Mm. I think Daniel Craig is James Bond. It's like one of the weirdest choices of a James Bond. I, whenever I see him, I just do not see him as James Bond. Now, are you one of the people that called him James Blonde at first? Because you know, I may have been one of those people. Yes, I, and no, nobody says that he can't be blonde, but I'd never see him as a blonde. Every James Bond has been a brunette. But James, isn't James Bond the name? Is just a, it's a government moniker that they give uh, agent. With the designation of 007? No, it's 007 that's the designation. Anybody can be 007. James Bond is not a designation. designation. Right. Because remember the latest movie, The Black that Lady's actually is, 007? Because uh, he's supposed to retire. She took over 007. And what's, his, what's her name? Is it some variation of Bond? They all, I've only seen her referred to as 007. <laughs> So that's why I don't know. I, I just think that they're not going to give up that name. I, I think no, that... No, the, the whole series is James Bond, you know? Yeah, but... but they, right, but what I'm saying is there's going to be some variation of Bond. I mean, although James Bond may not... I mean, you know, different people are James Bond, you know what no, I mean? I think it will be whatever her name is, and this 007 is the agent number that she is. I don't know. I I, I well, don't think that's right because it says I think here her have, name uh, was. It says here her name was Nomi. Yeah, I think that you have different Felixes and who the CIA. Felix is whoever Felix is. Whoever I Felix is is Felix. Right. I well, just, they, I just, the American agent. Why would they give up James? Why would they give up a franchise name? I don't. Oh, they wouldn't have given. They were just a 007. But yeah, she was. Her character in No Time to Die was known as Nomi, who had the 007 designation. Right. But I would think that, I mean, of all the things we're choosing, who is going to be a James Bond? You know, I mean, most people, I mean, this, I think I think of like Sean Connery as the quintessential James Bond. Is that because he's the notable first one, so to speak, or? Oh, well, no, not really. One? Not really. I think it's because I say, like for instance, Roger Moore, I always, you know, associate being the saint and not as James Bond. I did not think that he was uh, a good James Bond. You know, I think that Sean Connery was sufficiently aloof 
you know, kind of rugged but aloof. And he, I mean, he had a good mix of those things. And uh, you know, the the line, the gold figure. Well, I didn't expect me to talk. No, I didn't expect you to die. <laughs> and the irony is that um, adultery was actually the closest to the book bond. Oh, Dalton? Dal yeah, Dalton was actually closest to the book bond than the movie bond. Hmm. Yeah, how it changes is initially when um, Ian Fleming was alive when they um, were still alive when they did the uh, first movies. And his conception of James Bond that he thought the perfect casting, casting choice would have been David Niven. And he was. And David Niven was Jane Bond along with, uh, I think, Woody Allen and what is it, the first Royale. Christina Royale. And, you know, so I guess Fleming got his wish to a certain degree. But I, you know, in, in a serious note, I, I can't see I mean, they've been living as James Bond. I mean, it's supposed to be an action. Mm -hmm. You know, hero. Yeah. You know, I think some at one point just somebody like, me, like my uncle Wheeler being James somebody Bond. suggested uh, Cary Grant. He would have been too old for that. He's too old, but when he was young, yeah, I could see Cary Grant. Being although, James although, Bond. although Grant was in his fifties when he did North by Northwest. So wow, he was in incredible shape. Yeah, I think he would have been a great James Bond. But I think that James Bond is like a British person, you know, and he should be Felix and not James Bond. Well, uh, Connery is Welsh, right? Yeah, but he's part of the UK, right? He's part of the um, United Kingdom. Yeah, Bond is not British. He's not English. I can't remember what Bond's nationality was. Well, he's, he's just a member. He's just, you know, from the UK. Right. Part of the United Kingdom. That was a that was a big deal about, you know, using somebody who was from Australia or using somebody who Idris Elba was, uh, you know, there was the sort of, you know, litany of, of reasons why we they had to use somebody who was from uh, uh, great uh, uh, England, right? It had to be English. And, that, you know, it kind of disappeared, I guess, to stop using it. But I remember them coming up with those excuses. Well, according to the books, I'm reading summaries of the books. Bond was of a Scottish father and a Swiss mother. So that's why Sean Connery just kind of blended. Well, the thing is, a Scottish father and a Swiss mother, those are just nationalities. Yeah. They don't have anything to do with anything else. It's just nationalities. Well, it, you know, it gave and him audience more... doesn't. The audience doesn't care. I mean, I... I... Who, who who does that matter to? The people Except, who think they're diehard fans. <laughs> I, I think I think it matters to people who try to exclude other people. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, think of ways to exclude other people. Why it can't be a woman? Why it can't be somebody mm -hmm. from Australia, like a Hugh Jackman? Why it can't be a Idris Elba? You know, just various reasons why. You know, and you know, it, it, it's the same. Hollywood does what it wants to do. They wanted uh, uh, Michael from The Godfather. They wanted Robert Redford for that role. Yeah, it's supposed to be Sicilian, you know. And so he's from North. He's from North Italy. So he can't be from North Italy because he's Sicilian. <laughs> Get it? But well, you know, I think, they, again, they well, I will... think George Lazenby actually was Australian. Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. 
you know, they come up with all kinds of different uh, excuses when they want something to happen. You know, like I said, Robert Redford and uh, and the Godfather and James Caan, who's he's not Italian, he's he's Sonny in the Godfather. Right, right. You know, so it just it, it they cast who they want to cast, and then they you know justify the reason behind it. Well, even Marlon Brando wasn't Italian, so. Brando's Italian. Why wasn't he Italian? Really? Yeah. He, Italian, he, yeah. Actually, Brando's is an interesting story. I think his family, you know, people talk about determined cants, um, uh, Japanese, but it also, the United States had determined cants for German and Italian people. And, and the Brando family was transplanted from I think it was whatever East Coast city they were from to Wisconsin, and the reason I know that is because I, I, I it was always curious to me why is Brando from Wisconsin? That's why he was in a deterrent camp hmm. during World War II. His family was in one of those camps in Wisconsin. Yep, he is Italian. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. So, but Khan wasn't Italian. Khan was Jewish. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but who could you think of? Um, but nobody cared. Nobody cared. I mean, he get, did a great performance. You know? Right, right. But, you know, it's interesting, you know, today you were talking about um, Schindler's List. Right. And now Harrison Ford turned down that role. Yeah, I was really surprised. They said the reason that he turned down the role to be Oscar Schindler is because he said it should not have been played by a Jewish person. It should get someone who's not Jewish. I did not know that Harrison Ford was Jewish. Hmm, okay. I never would have suspected that Harrison Ford was Jewish. Yeah, but that's what they were saying, the reason that he um, rejected the role in Schindler's List, because he believed that the person playing Oscar Schindler shouldn't be Jewish. Well, you know, it is, it is good sometimes that actors will self-remove themselves from parts because they think that it's not the uh, mm -hmm. right mix or, you know, they can put their ego aside and don't say, you know, like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't give this the justice it deserves. Um, and then sometimes they do it and it says, yeah, uh, there's an interview they did uh, recently with Woody Harrelson where he was talking about some of the things that he had turned down and said that he was first offered the part in um, Jerry Maguire that, Tom, that uh, Tom Hanks eventually took. And then afterwards, he looked back at it and said, yeah, I think I kind of blew it on that one. Yeah, or Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise? That Tom Cruise took or Tom Hanks? No, the uh, Tom that uh, Tom Cruise took in Jerry Maguire. Right. I I can't see Woody Harrelson in that role. Me either. But maybe he would have played it differently. Well, if you think of Woody Harrelson now, but no, but if you look at it back when they started here, then yeah, I can kind of see Yeah, I think that um, back in the day with Woody Harrelson, 
when he was like playing on uh, what is it um cheers yeah you know he was kind of like a more of a you know kind of a He's, he was a good actor yeah he was a good, good actor, actor. I mean, he was in uh he was in that larry flint movie yeah yeah and he did a pretty good job and and i'm you know surprised at the range i mean you know it, it, i guess it really depends yeah yeah but i think you know that kind of a, a jumping around high energy type of thing i don't know if he felt like he wanted to do that i guess he didn't feel like i mean the types of roles that he's taken since then have been more you know almost on the edge of experimental than being they've, they've been substantial they've, they've yeah. been substantial roles yeah i mean i was surprised like uh, what is the one um the what you call it the um detective thing true detective, true detective yeah. when he and um matt mcconaughey i thought they both were so good in that i thought they were just really really good in that and i mean the thing is that the ones that came after when they came after that I did not like too much because, you know, Vince Vaughn. And um, then uh, after that with um, Herschel Ali and uh, oh, what is his name from um, played, who played in Blade uh, is um, Frost, Deacon Frost. Them in that, those two, well, they were excellent in that. Yeah, they're very good. I think and, that was the last one. I think that was yeah. the last one. Yeah. And they were they were excellent in that. But I think the one with Colin Farrell, and Vince Vaughn. Oh, Star that wasn't the last. Oh, Colin Farrell. That was the second one, right? Yeah, with Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn. But just like, I mean, how can you do anything with Vince Vaughn? Like, to me, Farrell? to me, it was unwatchable. I, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm sorry, Vince, Vince Vaughn to me is unwatchable. I, I just well, you know, it's, it's a story was good, and uh, you know, maybe I could like eating a. a uh, a bad sandwich you can eat around the just eat the good yeah. parts but then there are no good parts so yeah but if you spend so much time on screen it's impossible to watch it i mean i i just want to know who's whose nephew he is that's all i want to well, know you know you know what it, it's like it's like watching a movie uh there's on netflix and uh if, if you go to netflix you'll it'll jump it's one of the first movies that'll jump up it's called velvet something i forgot what it's called but you know, you watch it, and you feel like um, it's absolute—it's an absolute waste of your time. Mm -hmm. It's a total waste of your time. It—it—it it, it doesn't tell you, you know, the the trailer doesn't tell you what the movie is about. <laughs> They're uh, tricking you. It, it's it, you wait for it, you feel invested to keep watching, and and uh, the second series, the second season of Police. Um, detective story is is just like that. You feel invested. You yeah. keep watching. It's a waste eventually, of it's a waste of time. Eventually, it's gonna get good, right? Right. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. You, I feel like I feel like you know, I put my time in the bank, and then I came back to check on my balance, and it was negative a hundred <laughs> hours or something. Yeah, I mean, well, I actually I mean, uh, I get a little off subject today. We watched this film called Reptile. With uh, reptile, reptile, that's what it's called. Reptile, you, you go to yeah. Netflix, you, it, I guess, depending yeah. on your algorithm or whatever, it'll, it'll show up, it'll jump up as you know, like this is a movie that everybody's watching or something. Yeah, I mean, Justin Timberlake was in it, and 
Benicio del Toro was in it. And I looked at that film and I said to myself, now, again, Justin Timberlake is a professional. He did his job. Benicio del Toro is a professional. They did their job, but uh, should not have been in this film. I mean, uh, meandering. It's you know, a murder it's mystery. No, it's not. Just not meandering. Not a murder mystery. I'm sorry to get yeah. off topic, but no. Yeah. You see this film show up on your Netflix uh, account when you go, you log into Netflix. Do not, I repeat, do not watch this movie. Okay, this is how bad the movie was. Um, we were watching it, and I said, well, how many minutes were left? We were only at the first hour mark. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I thought this almost over. Do not watch this movie. Do oh, this movie. no. It's that bad. You you have better a better time uh, and better opportunity uh, if you just went outside or, and stared at dirt. Yeah. Yeah. You looked at dirt. Just say, hey, this is dirt. And just stare at it for two hours. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's basically than this movie. film was such that it could have been done in an hour. You know, I mean, a lot of unnecessary. Or not at all. Yeah. I mean, said so if they want to do that film, it should have been done. It, it could have been done in an hour. Cut or out they all they started the it. Door. Somebody just said, hey, don't do this. And it was not done. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that uh, the True Detective second um, season is like that. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, but I would say, you know, what would have happened if you replaced Vince Vaughn with someone else? You would, still would have been bad. I'm black tell because the problem is that for me, he is unwatchable. And I cannot watch films with him in them because, you know, I, I just, he just is not good. You know, just is not good at what he does. So I think. Maybe it could be good if someone else were in the role. Well, you know, what about what about Eddie Murphy and Driving Miss Daisy? Yeah, I thought that that was kind of a crazy, um, crazy concept of having Eddie Murphy and Driving Miss Daisy. And I'll tell you, maybe throughout the beginning, I would think, you know, this young guy driving for this, you know, older woman. But I think that I don't know at the end. I think you need to be people who are the same age and or close to the same age in order for that last scene to work. Maybe yeah. they would have rewritten it. You know, what do you think? I think if Eddie Murphy were in there, it would have been like driving this daisy out into the woods or something like that. You know, what wouldn't it work? Yeah, I, I think, think it would have been I think it would have been kind of interesting. I, I think it would be interesting up to the end. I think at the end for it to make sense. I think it was more appropriate that they were close to the same age. Yeah. When, you know, but you could Eddie Murphy can do old, he did old in life. I guess so. I mean, but the point is like I know that, you know, Morgan Freeman had to be olded up a little bit for that role. Yeah. But Eddie Murphy would have to have been olded up a lot for that role. I mean, it's one thing to be olded up like that for a comedy or for a science fiction thing, but for a drama, I think to be have to be where that much makeup is a little much. Well, do you think that Murphy would have given the role? I've never seen the movie. I've only seen the scene the trip. I, I, it, it, it's not like, you know, it's almost to the point where I refuse to, write, to watch a movie with black people as servants that I refuse to watch. Mm -hmm. Driving Miss Davy, Daisy, The Help, uh, mm -hmm. The Butler, you know, all that. I, I, I just can't. But on the trailers, do you think that Murphy would have given the role more bite? No, I don't think so. 
I mean, I think that it would have been interesting, you know, to, but you have this, this, you know, a bit of a generation gap thing, I think that made him so interested with that. But like, again, like I said, at the end, um, I think the importance, you know, of, you know, if he was a young guy, I don't think it would have had the impact basically saying that, you know, we know each other and, you know, all this time you did this thing, you know, you know, it's basically like you didn't have any respect and you call friendship. What do you think friendship is when you did this thing or failed to do this thing? And I think that's something, a conversation that has between equals, not just in status, but age, especially the issue of a black male at that time in that time period and a white female, Jewish female, I guess say in that time period. You know, I just think that the age, it should not have been a huge age gap for that scene. So is the movie worth, uh, let's, let's go back to whether the movie is worth watching because I haven't seen it. And is it worth watching? It was all right. Nobody else has anything to say? It was okay, but you know, it, but again, it falls into that thing about you know how um, black people had to be paid. Black people always had to be patient to make equality work. That kind of thing. So right, right. So yeah, I, I think it was an interesting film. I mean, and you know, as we look at the film at our age group, you know, it's why like you know, looking at the textbook almost, you know, that. It's not our experience. We don't identify with it, but we're we're watching it, you know. And also, I think I think it was the same year that Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture. The same year that it was up against um, Do the Right Thing. So mm -hmm. is that slap in the face? Well, one of the things that um, that I think that that year that uh, when Roger Ebert had said that he thought Do the Right Thing should have been the best picture, and he was interviewing Jessica Tandy, and he asked her about it, and she said that she had never watched it. And in those days, in addition to having special screening parties so everybody sees the movies and stuff so you can come and get blasted and eat, you know, high-end hors d'oeuvres and watch the movies, you know, for your consideration, is they would send around um, that time new technology DVDs to all of the members mm -hmm. so they could watch it in their home. So you got something you can watch it in your home, you know, in your bathrobe and everything, and you still didn't watch one of the only five movies at the time um, nominated for Best Picture. So how can you say that you really picked the Best Picture if you didn't watch all the movies that were nominated? Right. Uh, well, I remember something that uh, I think Sonia said, which is Sonia, maybe Sonia and Cranston, you both said that these movies are the Oscars and these award shows are industry shows. So it's not necessarily the best because it's the one driving Miss Driving Miss Daisy to me. I didn't see it once again, so I really can't comment on it. It didn't seem to be the best, but do the right thing. Does it? Did seem to be the best picture, best film either. It's what so. makes the industry feel comfortable about itself. It's the best picture to make the industry say, see, look, look what we did. We named this number one. Then then you have they have no intelligence and they don't know how to read the room because they should have picked, if that's the criteria, they should have picked do the right thing. 
Well, that's the same reason why they didn't pick the original Black Panther. It made them feel a little bit uncomfortable. Well, Which is why everybody was surprised when Moonlight won. They were really surprised Moonlight won because that's not a comfortable film for Hollywood. Well, it, I, I think one of you guys said that the film, it, these awards are based on, you know, the lighting, the all this other stuff that has nothing to do with box office or, you know, the, the we think should be based on best yeah. picture. And if that's the case, there's no reason for us to get upset or to even watch these shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also I think that you have to look at the fact that Moonlight, you know, did in, in fact, and in, in two things, it had the issue of dealing with um, Black trauma, you know, one, and then gay interest is the other. And so with those two, you know, categories kind of mixed together, I think that that brought it to light for most of Hollywood to actually watch it. where a lot of films that just deal like with, you know, do the right thing that dealt with, you know, this issue of violence, you know, in this, you know, black community that it did not have, you know, sufficient um, interest for everyone to watch it, you know, or to, you know, go out of their way to watch it. Yeah, I mean, Jessica, Jessica Tandy, he's not gonna sit there and watch that do the right thing. Can Mm -hmm. you imagine sitting there watching that movie? No, I cannot. No, I just don't think she, it, You know, her and Hugh Cronin, you know, they live in New York, but they don't mm-hmm. live in that part of New York that has anything to do with what happened in that movie. Right. So, yeah, I just think that, you know, you know, I think that Moonlight came along at a time with that, you know, lightning in a bottle type of situation. You know, where something, for instance, in my mind, like uh, In Figures, I thought was a really, you know, great film. But did, did that it win Best Picture? Movie? No, I mean, but did it get the same type of visuals as something like The Help, you know, which shows Black people in a role that makes people, you know, non-Black people more comfortable to see Black people in that type of space. Yeah, more comfortable. I'm more comfortable with you helping me, like, fixing me a cake than, you know, figuring out how to go around the world. Right. How to, you know, the math that sends people to the moon. Right. That makes me more comfortable as a a white male. And, you know, generally Mm -hmm. it makes me more comfortable. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what that's what gets that's what gets the nomination. That's what wins. Mm -hmm. And now we think about something like that. We talk about that. that For instance, uh, Hidden Figures, we have this film and this role. You know, I I thought it was very interesting um, that, you know, the same individual who plays Cookie, you know, on Empire, plays this this role as a math prodigy. And I thought that really shows her depth as an actress, you know, to play both roles. Yeah. And to do it convincingly. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought that was really, you know, what what great work. Yeah, but how many, how many swings, how many swings at, at bat does she get, you know? Exactly, you know, you know because other... because that shows a lot of diversity. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many other? You, know, you, you look at somebody like, uh, you know, Cher or Goldie Hawn that shows mm-hmm. the comedic mm-hmm. aspect and the off kilter aspect, and then their dramatic, you know, their dramatic chops. Mm-hmm. They're celebrated, but you know, you get someone who, 
like this actress. You don't you don't get her. She's not as celebrated. Right, I'm glad what has she been in lately? I think she's been more behind the camera. Somebody told me that she's been more behind the camera. I don't know. Taraji? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hold on, I'm looking her up. The last thing I can remember, she did this movie um, where she played a hit woman. Um, I remember that. Mary something. Proud yeah, Mary. Mary. Yeah. Proud I mean, Mary. That's Proud Mary. That was several years ago, though. Yeah. Right? And it wasn't widely distributed. I saw it, but it wasn't really distributed she did abbott elementary um she was in um she's got some stuff coming up she's got like five things coming up now yeah but you got to google that yeah so it's but like, she's like know. cranston said she's been doing more producing mm -hmm. for a while yeah i think and she uh, was hosting and uh, hosting award shows like crazy yeah, well, whatever her agent thinks her trajectory is, that's her trajectory. I, I'm just saying it's not the, it's not the share, it's not the Goldie Hawn type of trajectory that we've seen white women have, when they, you know, they go from comedy to more serious acting, and they seem to to more sky. Their trajectory seems to be more the sky's the limit, mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, Miss Henson's uh, trajectory. I, I think she's been more selective too after especially after because she made her she got her money when in empire she made sure she got her money through that mm -hmm. so it looks like from the stuff that uh listed after empire it looks like she's the one being more selective well if you saw proud mary it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of selectivity going on in that but i i get what you're saying though. she did proud mary after while she was doing empire yeah but it wasn't selectivity i mean it's yeah you know, it is. It is. But what it's. It is. It, it's. It's. What I'm saying is that there's a contrast to me. Yeah, it was. But it was unusual contrast. for a black woman to be classed as the lead assassin. But I think it looks like from this, just looking at the things that she has on here on her coming up list, mm -hmm. um, it looks like she's the one choosing to be more selective as opposed to Hollywood. Well, because she did the Annie Live. She did the Muppets. Haunted Mansion. She voiceover actress, and she produced um, Offset and Cardi B's video. Actually, I think she directed that one. Um, and now she's got two, three, four series coming up, and she's going to be Sugar Avery in the new version of Color Purple. That might have taken up a lot of her time right there. I, I don't know. I don't know. But the the, the issue I have is. I'm just contrasting white women's trajectory with hers. I remember and Cher I'm, having and, to, and, and yeah. Then, and then, you know, we, we were talking about, a while. I think, uh, Penelope and I were talking about Barbara Streisand in The Owl and the Pussycat. Yeah. Saw that movie. And, and that, was a, that was a movie that I think it was a, it came from a Broadway play. And yeah. Barbara Lanier was supposed to have had that role. Yeah, a black woman should have gotten that role. But, you know, Barbara had enough diversity, you know, to say, you know what, I want that role. She got that role. Yeah. And, you know, that's until, until black women can say, I want that role and get that role, then that's the kind of equality I'm I'm looking at. But, you know, she could choose whatever role she wants. That, that's not really an issue. The, the thing I'm saying, I'm what I'm saying is the, the equanimity between, 
you know, white women and black women, as far as Hollywood is concerned, Hollywood always want to have their finger on the scale. Right. Because you may think that you, yeah. The same type of films, you know, I mean, it's, it's taken a while because if you have a film and a black woman is in the film and for a long time, you know, she wasn't, the, she had to be the best friend or, you know, some others, never the lead role. And I know with Cher start out because she was a singer, it took her a while to be taken seriously as an actress. And Goldie and, Hawn was seen as an airhead. Yeah, but she, she was, was a laugh in as a in a bikini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and actually Taraji was an executive producer, so she put herself in Proud Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that, but I you know, until you get to the level of a, you know, producing like a Goldie Hawn or mm-hmm. or a, Yeah, and Goldie you know. Hawn was one of those people that yeah, people thought of her as an airhead, but she was one of the said one of the most powerful women in Hollywood. Because yeah, like she a, behind the scenes, like, huh? like a Lucy, like a Lucille Ball, like Ball. You know, yeah. she's a powerhouse. People he 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 ha ha laughing, but she's running the show. But, I, but anyway, we we get off track a little bit. But but I I think that uh, you know it's, it's still we we see black women being treated the same way in their careers, given that power. You know, I'm uh, looking uh, at Taraji's true. list. She's taking it. She's executive producer on her next five projects. I I, I understand that you. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Not the, I'm not getting No, I'm just, what I'm, I'm saying say. is, until we take responsibility, she's taking. She's like, I'm doing this, and to hell with what Hollywood says. Yeah, but Hollywood. The problem with being executive producer means that you're a person. You have to go out there and get the money, right? In order to do the production, and you know. It's wonderful executive producer, but if she's executive producer, she's also acting. Um, can you do both under the circumstances? You know, what is her ultimate goal? You know, is she going to be an actress or is she going to be a producer? Because a lot of times it's very difficult to do both. Right. It looks like she's deciding what she's doing, though. Or it may not be a decision. It may be that there are no roles. Therefore, she's using her opportunity to be, become an executive producer in order at least to make sure that she has some control yeah. of what type of projects are going on out there. Because if you don't basically make a way for yourself, you may not get one. Like, what's that, Tony Shalhoub, when he mm-hmm. was doing Monk? You know, he had to produce that show. He had to really go through the, everything to get that show going because there was no work for him otherwise. So he had to put, you know, his money and time behind getting that show produced. And a lot of, I think, the actors now do that. You know, they get out there, they have production companies, because they know at a certain time, you know, when Hollywood is chasing down what's, you know, new and unusual, that if you are a seasoned actor or actress, if you have not figured out how to, you know, come up with projects of your own and how does those projects going to be funded, you will end up unemployed, yep. you know, and unpaid. So well, you know, it's like that, uh, you know, the Adams family, like Angelica Houston said, I want that role. Mm-hmm. And Cher was going to get that role, but until Angelica Houston said, I want that role. And that was in That's that kind of power like that. Yeah, Can you imagine um, Morticia Adams being Cher instead of Angelica Houston? I, I, I can see it, but, you know, again, like you said, Angelica Houston said, yeah, I'm going to play that role. And they said, okay. And that was it. There was yeah. no more discussion about yeah. it. Yeah, or she's Hollywood royalty, and that's that's that. And I don't have to be executive producer or 
I don't have to do any of these other uh, things. It's just a thing I say. I pick up a phone and I say, I want I that want one. That. And then you get it. But I think Cher could have pulled it off. Yeah, I'm sure she could have. But I, again, I think she would have been great for that role. I think yeah. Cher would have been good. I, I think I think I think while well, um what's his what's his name? Um Raul Yeah, he was great as as Gomez. Gomez, yeah. Yeah, he really was. But Cher, you think Cher versus Angelica Houston? Uh you know, I mean I I like Angelica Houston, so you know. I'm I'm biased. He is so good. Yeah. But then sometimes it's kind of like, say, well, okay, that the the choice that it came down to, because you know, there's always those um, other people. There was this uh, one movie, and, and and they passed the scripts along among the uh, A listers and B listers and soon to be whatever listers and stuff. That um, there was a was one movie they really wanted. Well, two two things that didn't work out. One was they really looked at. Um, Tom Cruise as uh, Tony Stark when they were doing Iron Man. And for whatever reason, either he wasn't interested or he wasn't available or whatever happened. And it happened that John Favreau, who was going to direct, really thought that uh, Robert Downey Jr., despite his uh, the troubles that he had had in the past and everything, would be good for that part. And he really stuck for it because, well, they said, okay, we're trying to keep prices down. We can get them fairly cheap. Uh, we'll use them for that. And the rest, as they say, is history. I don't think that uh, Cruz could have pulled off the type of um, snark and the kind of change that um, Tony Stark went through. And I think that Downey was, of course, you can't imagine anybody else doing that part now. But Yeah, yeah. I don't think that Cruz could have been a, a tongue-in-cheek like Downey did. You know, I don't think that's Cruz's persona. He's not really a tongue-in-cheek guy, is he? No, not really. When he started out, he might have been closer to that. Yeah. Now, but on think, the other hand, for one, it was kind of an even swap that they had wanted another movie for Cruz to do, and um, he wasn't available or whatever reason and stuff, so they passed it around, and they did almost what they would consider counter-casting was they gave the part to Denzel Washington. And that was, of course, the uh, the uh, second in command in Crimson Tide. Yeah. Now, I think the Cruz could, I could easily see Cruz doing that part and he would have did his usual Tom Cruise thing that would have been, you know, good. But I think that, you know, Denzel really did that too. And I think that was the first time that he ever got the, the, uh, the lead, uh, the lead in, the, uh, in the casting for this movie. And that was over Gene Hackman. Mhm. And I thought, yeah, I did. He did a great job. You think Cruz could have done a better job or as good a job? I think it would have been as good because you know he could have just walked into that one and kind of you know walked through it and everything and stuff. But you I, know, just, I, you know, I think it would have had a different gravitas. I think that the issue Denzel being a black male. Uh, added some gravitas to the conversations that were being had. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know they had to add that that thing about the lipizzaners because of that. 
the, you the think voice, they had to add that? I think they added it because of that. I think because of the dynamic of race that they added the comment regarding the lip designers. Mm-hmm. At the end. Otherwise, there was no point of having it. Well, you know, speaking of Denzel and, and speaking of Eddie Murphy, what about Eddie Murphy and Malcolm X? No. I, no. <laughs> I, and I'm going to say this. He might have been fantastic. But I think that people watching it would always be waiting for that to be a joke. Yeah. You know, waiting for something to, to, to laugh. Okay, where's the joke going to come? Where's the joke going to come? So much so they would not be listening to what's actually going on, you know? I can't so believe Hollywood. Well, the, 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 the funny the joke is that Hollywood actually considered Murphy for that job. And you, you have Washington who, who did the role night in, night out on Broadway. Yeah. Well, that's the mm-hmm. thing is that they will look at people and they see and, and in certain places and just think they're all interchangeable. Right. I mean, understand, remember, Stephanie Mills played the role of Dorothy, you know, of on um in the Wiz on Broadway, for some bizarre reason, they thought it might be a good idea to have Diana Ross play it in the film. I mean, no idea why anybody would think that was a good idea. Perry Gordy. Yeah, that's the same. But you know, people do crazy stuff like that all the time. Uh, Hollywood traditionally <laughs> doesn't give the Broadway actor the part. That's happened, you know, Audrey, all the way back, even before Audrey Hepburn played in My Fair Lady. You had so. Shirley, Shirley MacLaine. Oh, with um, Lynn Burden. And, and my, Charity. And Sweet Charity. You know, she wasn't in the Broadway play. Yeah. You know, so that, you, you that was. Some, but you that have was, some that do. That's not, it's not a rule because in 12 Angry Men, you have a lot of the, the Broadway actors who had that role. That was known uh, as an exception back then, though. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different. And I think that, you know, that there's exceptions to the rule. They, they cast whoever they want to cast. Now, right. They, they, Eddie whoever Murphy, they think Eddie will Murphy, bring people in. Yeah, but yeah, also, Eddie Murphy, but, Eddie but Murphy also, and Malcolm X is just ridiculous. I yeah, think. but I still think the issue is different because people who are acting on stage have different levels of projection than someone who is a screen actor. It's not the same type of acting. So you need people who can do both, who have a, a background in both. So someone that is used to being on stage, these very that has to be that thing, you know, less, less, less. Yeah. And in and old Hol- yeah, in old Hollywood, they would bring in the stage actor to sing the part for the mm-hmm. screen actor to act around. Right. Because you know, it's just not the same, you know, level of energy that you have to put out for being on stage that you have when you are at the camera right in front of you and you have to back off a lot, you know, when you are uh, have a camera in front of you than when it is that you are playing to, you know, the back row when you're on stage. Yeah, I think the actor who played uh, Elijah Muhammad was in the in the Broadway play Chickens Come Home to Chickens Come Home to Roost. Yeah, yeah. I think it was in the Broadway play, and it was in the in the movie. Yeah. Well, that's so, he also had the background of being a soap opera actor, so he knew mm-hmm. how to act with the camera right in his face. Yeah. So it's just people who are used to doing that. In fact, I remember what is the show, The Good Wife, 
At one point, almost the entire cast of The Good Wife was performing the television show and were also performing on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, all of them were. It was, yeah, it was everybody on the, yeah, it was everyone on, in the cast had. Yeah, a, I, mean, I think they of, had a couple of one, one of them won a Tony for, um, what is for, um, what you call it? What is it? The, the uh, musical. The woman who was the, um, the uh, sister-in-law, Hamilton's sister-in-law, and Hamilton, Hamilton. And she was uh, one of the attorneys in, um, in The Good Wife, one of the DAs. And she won a Tony for her performance. So, and I got also one of the guys who was one of the attorneys, one of the, um, the um, lower level attorneys. Also, I guess they were doing, I can't remember what it was. It was some group thing that they did, some ensemble cast that he also got a Tony. And they were from The Good Wife. It's like a few people in The Good Wife were in that, I think that. Um, well, that, it just shows you, mm -hmm. it shows you, it shows you the heft of uh, Julia Margulies to, to get The uh, Good Wife uh, filmed yeah. in New York, right? Yep. Yep. That was really great. So that because, she can, you know, have people that did both, did both, you know, did both yeah. things, Broadway. And, I think, and, I think, as far as actors are concerned, Broadway pays less than Hollywood does. I think. Yeah. Much less. <laughs> I think there was there's a line in All About Eve. Yeah. How, how, how people get paid in Hollywood at, as opposed yeah. to Broadway. This is stable. Yeah. actors her coat was sable, not mink. It was sable. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny when you think about it, though. But you have all these actors. I mean, I guess, you know, the individuals that, you know, we look at and say, this is the person I would rather have in the role, that we sometimes have to take consideration that maybe they don't have the ability to do it. Now, I don't think that Diana Ross had any reason to be in front of anybody's camera doing anything. She was quite terrible. Because she was not an actress on screen either. So if I'm going to take my chance of taking it with the person that knows the role and help them to, you know, learn how to play to cameras. Yeah, she wasn't She wasn't in a Broadway play and she wasn't, right. you know. And she wasn't a television actress. She wasn't in any No, movie. I don't think. Um, what movie is that? Show, she, she what is that for the Wiz. Oh, my God. What is that? Lady called? Sings the Blues. Um, which she was terrible. And um, mahogany, 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 yeah, which she was terrible. Um, so and, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, they Jake, you know, Diana Ross is going to be in a movie, and everybody ran to see it, yeah. but uh, because she's Diana Ross, but no, she was a terrible actress. Uh, the, um, but she became good. Uh, she was doing a television movie many years ago where she was a woman who was like you know, a regular person, but then started and she had a bipolar disorder. And how her life just disintegrated. When, she, you know, was, uh, she was fantastic. Yes, yeah, she, she was. was fantastic in that role. Really that. good. I don't I know the name of the surprised. movie. I, I, I would recommend it if I knew the name yeah. of the movie, but yeah. I don't remember. But she was very good. Yeah, she. I was so surprised. I mean, she really did an excellent job in that role. But that's the thing, you know, you got to take this stuff seriously and take classes and not think that because you are used to performing. As a singer, that doesn't mean that you can be an actress. You know that you have to really put in the work. 
and she obviously did because she was very good. You and, think? I mean, do you? Th I don't. I don't know this, and I don't know the history of it. But do you think that Stephanie Mills even got a screen test? Probably not. I think so. Probably not. Very very Gordy producing it strongly not. Yeah. I mean, she probably said, I want to do it. And that would have been that, and that was the end of it. You know, I want to do this film. And I mean, sometimes we cannot see themselves, you know, because if she had really seen herself. But I can't remember the name of that film we saw several years back where um I was just that was so it's a couple of years back. And I think it was Sonia find it. I think it was Sonia Betty Betty Davis was in it? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that we watched it and when Betty Davis was in the film and she was an actress and she was trying to get this role and I thought it was Betty Davis and she wanted to play a younger role than what they were trying to hire her for. And she was there doing all this, you know, batting the eyelashes and being trying to be provocative when the role didn't call for that. And then when yeah. she you know, got to watch I guess the um, at the end of the day, they had to um, watch what do you call it? That's, um, the dailies. The dailies. The dailies. At the end of the day, and she saw herself, and she was just just devastated because she looked ridiculous. Because she wasn't, you know, an ingenue. She wasn't, you know, the leading lady. She was just playing a supporting role. She was trying to be sexy and provocative, but that particular type of role had passed her by. And some people are like that. They don't realize that that's passed you by. Well, that's what, else. that's what happened in real life with Joan Crawford. When her daughter got sick on a soap opera, she insisted on filling in for her daughter. Oh, that must have been kind of scary. Um, so, yeah, that happened. Talking about casting that should not have happened. Are you kidding? Yeah. No. I'd love to see that. I would love to I see that. <laughs> Yeah, she filled. It was one of those when the movie they were done live, and she filled in for her daughter when her daughter was sick, and her daughter looked and was like horrified. Oh is there any? Is there any tape of that? Is it? I don't I know. I, I know that they recreated the scenes in Mommy Dearest, but I love that's that's great stuff, man. Oh my god, that sounds like a horror show. <laughs> well, Are you know what though? Yeah. Despite all that stuff, I give it up for Joan. Joan was a stone cold uh bee. I mean, mm -hmm. she had to be. I mean, she had to be. So yeah. I have no complaints. I mean, I, I she didn't do anything to me, but I have no no ar arguments or complaints about Joan Crawford. She was a she was a boss. Okay. Yeah. Of course, the official story is she was at. It was in the seal of her secret storm when her daughter was recovering from emergency surgery in 68, Joan was asked by Gloria Monty and the execs to fill in for her. Uh, um, no. <laughs> she's great. She was 60 and her daughter was 24. Did she no. do it? Did yeah, she, she it? did it. Oh, I want to see For that. four segments feature, uh, four feature, I even, I'm looking at the press release that they put out in 68. Uh, Joan Crawford, the 60-year-old sc uh, screen queen, will play a 24-year-old housewife in the daytime soap opera The Secret Storm for four segments beginning Friday in place of her daughter who's recovering from surgery. I love it. I love Joan. I love Joan, and I love this. I got to find it. 
Secret Storm. The Secret Storm. My aunt used to watch that all the time. I know, man. <laughs> like I hated that show because it, I, I know cartoons are on. Okay, I think I hold on. Let me see. I think I found it on YouTube. Let me. I'll I'll put the link in the chat if it's actually it. Oh, great. Okay, this is, I found the film, it's called Out of Darkness. Out of Darkness? Yes, a paranoid schizophrenic woman finds treatment to her mental illness after 18 years of suffering. Where can we find this film? I'm trying to see. And it's a, it's a miniseries, right? No, it's a, it's a movie, I think. Oh, I thought, I thought it was a couple of, I thought a couple of episodes. Maybe they, maybe they cut it up. See. I don't know if it should see whether anybody is showing it now in the streaming services have access to it. Buena Vista Pictures is the distributor of it. I'm going to watch that again, too, because he was really good. Yeah, I was surprised. I was so surprised. She did really a, a good job in it. Apparently, this is a biography for someone. Oh, it's a true story? Or maybe based on, yeah, a true story. I don't see anywhere that is showing it now. Okay. To show you on IMDb, where if it's on a streaming service, somewhere I don't see it. That's okay. I go to my secret place. Okay, you go to your little secret place and find it. And it's very interesting because like on the watch list, and this is like a thousand people have added this to their watch list. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I wonder why. I don't know. I guess a lot of people have seen it and we're trying to find it again. You're worried. Mm -hmm. That's around. Yeah. She should have kept her as in that schizophrenic movie. And, somebody and not do the risk. Well, one of the people said, for anyone interested in a realistic portrayal of schizophrenia, very well done. Yeah, she did a great job. Very well presented with good performances. It is sad and does not distort or exaggerate as many other films have regarding mental and or emotional disorder. And you know what? You know what? You know what's so great about uh, Diana Ross's performance? It was mm -hmm. so subtle. It's so yeah. subtle. Yeah. They said Diana Ross is very good as Polly, a once brilliant pre-med student who can no longer function due to paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, so I mean, I thought- Is it, it a miniseries really or film? That's is it a miniseries or film? film. film. I mean, she really did a great job. She did a great job. I mean, she could do a great job. She was capable, but just not then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all those other years that she was doing stuff, she really did not have any, I think, training. And people don't tell you that, you know, to be an actress, you have to have training. It's not the same as, you know, performing on the stage, taking up yeah. a lot of space. You have to bring it in. And she did an excellent job on this role. Right. If you ever get to see it, I would suggest seeing well, it. You know what it's like? Like seeing Stephanie Mills and saying, well, she's only, you know, X number of years. I could certainly do a good a job, if not better than her. Right. Okay. It's, a, it's the same thing that Vince Vaughn mm -hmm. said when they, they did the shot for shot uh, a recreation of Psycho. 
Yeah, he thought he could do that, but he could not. He thought he could do the Anthony Perkins he role and what's her name? What's the what's the woman's name? Anne Hesh. Could do the the Janet mm -hmm. Lee role. Yeah, and no, it's just just every shot, same shot, every line. Yeah, the same, but but the problem is this that because you're not Anthony Perkins, because you don't have the same physical demeanor of Anthony Perkins, you gotta find how that works for you. You can't do him. You gotta figure out how that works for you and in a way that makes it appear um realistic to a viewer, you know, and it just was not realistic, you know, the way that he performed it trying to be Anthony Perkins. Yeah, well, that's the thing where you have to realize as good as a stunt or if that's a film school project that you might want to do, but no, it's not going to work out. And you have to say, you know, we, should, we shouldn't be doing this. Right. Stop yourself. <laughs> Stop yourself from doing it. You know, people are going to sit here and after 10 minutes going to say, okay, the joke is over. Okay, now we can go now. So. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's okay. It's, it's over now. But I, I would even think nowadays, like we talk about Vince Vaughn doing that role. And this is the problem, though. People want to do these things, but should it have been done at all? And if it was going to be done, who could you realistically think of that could have played it? That's a person's role? Yeah. I don't know. There are those. Uh, there are those parts that that happen very infrequently, and you don't know if that's something they they say after the fact that they really meant it before. But there's always those mythical parts that uh, they will say, "Well, when I wrote this part, you were the person I had in in um, mm -hmm. in, in uh, mind for, and didn't want anybody else." And sometimes that has worked out. But these are probably people who could have, you know gotten the part anyway, even if they had to go up against other people. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, think I mean, it can be done. I think Anthony, I mean, and, and don't underestimate Janet Lee's part too. She's, she's also fantastic in her role. Yeah, and the problem is, you know, people who want to get out and act, but have to realize how much restraint both Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins had in those roles. Well, absolutely. You know, we were watching. Uh, uh, they they had this uh, Wild Doll short uh. story on Netflix, and and Ben Kingsley is in one of them. And you know, Ben Kingsley has been all right. I haven't been a huge fan of his movies or anything like that, but you know, he's been acting for a very long time. The the subtlety in his acting in the seventeen minute. Uh, 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 I guess film, short story, whatever you want to call it. And he's only in it for like, you know, five, seven minutes or whatever. He's fantastic. The things he does, the things he doesn't do. Yes. He's, he's a master of his craft. He's really good. Yeah. You know, he's a master of his craft. I thought by, that, by, um, the way, by the way, Penelope, I'm watching uh, as I'm on this on your show. I'm also watching Spin Why are you watching Spin Because it's on the it's on the 
is on the TV. But I have a trivia. I have a trivia. Uh, Cameron Black does an excellent job. But why is a, why is it truly a trilogy of terror? Why is that a misnomer? Well, it, was, it was three separate episodes. And by now you're on the one with the voodoo doll, right? Well, the misnomer is that although there are three episodes, Karen Black plays four roles. But the trilogy is how many stories there are, not how many roles she plays. Just flow with it, Kenobi. Don't okay. <laughs> Technicality, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But no, I thought that, you know, Karen Black was excellent in Trilogy of Terror. Every, I, we just saw it again recently before you're watching it now in Swingulli, that is. We saw it recently, and wow. I mean, the, the one where she is the college professor, when I see it now, I realize how good she is in that role. A TV yeah. movie. A TV mm -hmm. movie. It's a TV movie, right? It's like it's Friday, ABC's Friday night movie, which is basically a movie that people like us watch because we were like 11 or 12 years old or something like that. And everybody else who was of age was outside getting it on. And we, and we, were, stuck, we were stuck in watching this, these movies. And so these movies, they're like throwaway movies, but it was so good. Right, right. Well, y'all, I'm looking at the time, and I think we start trying to wrap it up and what i'd like to say is uh with regard to i guess our uh, views of our favorite iconic films whatever that which ones do you think they missed cast and how would you have cast it you know otherwise i don't know do i can give you this one film to choose we all choose the same film we could choose different films how would you like to do that I mean, like I put it out there, for instance, like uh, like Psycho, you know, if they had to do it over again, you know, and they did it over again badly, who would you have cast instead of Vince Vaughn and Anne Heche? Uh Virtually anybody. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> um, anybody. There's a guy out on the street walking by. <laughs> I mean, if you're sitting there and you say, okay, we're going to replace Anthony Perkins with Vince Vaughn. Why, why was that choice made? Why? Why? What was that choice? I have no idea. Maybe one of them was executive producer. Or I something. could see, you know, Janet Lee was, uh, you know, at the time that she made uh, Psycho, she was, uh, I guess, you know, almost. Not quite, but almost to the level Marilyn Monroe type, you know, you know, actress. But she'll have oh, more yeah. heft. She had more dramatic heft than Marilyn had. And H was not that when I mean, she did that role. I don't understand why she was chosen. And I, Anthony Perkins was was the same. He was he was really, you know, top line. And mm -hmm. and Bond wasn't at that stage. So why would you pick those two? Because they were probably big names and the name, the name, the it name in Hollywood names in Hollywood yeah, at the time. They, they were casting, name, but not good actors. Yes, so, but, yeah, cool. but, but producers, but financiers don't give money for hef. They give money so that they can get their money back. But yeah, yeah but you don't get money back a role like that by just throwing somebody in it because you but need Anne to do that more than once, and nobody. 
But Anne Heche is very fun. Anne Heche was really good when she was on TV with the dramatic and the um, nuances because she was on the soaps. She was really good. It's when she tried to translate into the big screen, she just couldn't. Now that was one casting see... where her, that was one casting where even though she was comfortable learning lines and having the camera right in her face, it just didn't she didn't translate to the big a, screen. I would screen. I would rather have uh, I would rather have uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, what's the lady who's always winning Oscars all the time? What's her name? Mel Street. Mel Street. Mel Street. I was thinking somebody more like Emily Blunt or Anne, no. Hath- or Anne Hathaway or somebody younger that could portray the innocence but have that deviousness behind the eye. No, I mean, J- Janet Lee in that movie is not. Uh, I think Anne is a little, you know, I think was, I'm sorry. What, we just, what did you just say? Who um, from, what is her name? Um, em- Emily. Or- the other one. Um, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. I think she's a little too young. Too young. I mean, this is a this is a grown woman who's having a, an affair, kind of, with a man. She's just having a relationship with a man who is divorced. Yeah. But, you know, it's yeah. She wants more. And she wants more out of life. She wants more out of life, and she's supposed to be aging out of marriage, whatever that at that mm-hmm. time. It's like I'm aging out, right? So I need to I need to get it together. I gotta go. Well, they got it now. <laughs> you said we were recasting now. Yeah, okay. So who would you recast? Again, anybody but Vince Vaughn. <laughs> My God, I would even take Leonardo DiCaprio. Oops, I almost said it the wrong way. Leonardo Ooh, DiCaprio. I heard you. <laughs> well, here's, the, here's the casting choice for you coming up, that, uh, and, it, and it goes to this thing of why are we doing this again? But I think they said the Universal is either greenlit or is going to greenlit or they have an idea that they want to do a murder she wrote movie okay now why are we doing this again and since everything is a trilogy that means we're talking about doing three murder she wrote movies so how do you do it do you get some uh 60-ish actor who will play uh play um olivia uh what was her name jessica fletcher when we met her or do we start out with Jessica's first case and then she will age on into the part? I think you hire one actress, shoot all three films at the same time, just in That's case. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I think exactly the same thing. <laughs> get you them done, get them out of the way. All at the same time, get it done. You never know what's going to happen, so just go ahead and get them all done at the same time. So yeah, I, I'm 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 with you on that. Who Trying to think what action watch it would be somebody like Meryl Streep they give the job to. Well, Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Well, Meryl Streep would be good. Meryl Streep would be good. Well, Olivia Coleman's already kind of sort of played the the devious older woman in How about Angela Bassett? She'll be good. Oh, that would be great casting. Mm-hmm. Although I still see her as Mother Storm, I see her playing an older. Still see her playing older Storm. Yeah, she would have been great as Storm. I think I think she'll be great, and and they're gonna do a stupid murder she wrote. I think Angela Bassett would be good. Yeah, she'll be great. 
Yeah. But still yeah. film them all at once. So it saves you money. And and just in case, it, because by like if they were to cast it right now, you get all three films done before the next per possible writers uh, actors strike. Yeah. And and by the way, I'm watching Spangoolie again still. And they have they have that doll from Trilogy of Terror. Oh they, man! They have, they're trying to uh, they have that for bid. I want one. Yeah, Kira Black is good in that last episode too. She's really good. Mm -hmm. But going back to uh, Angela Bassett as Jessica Fletcher, you could always know where she was because Angela Bassett up in Cabot Cove, Maine. So you don't have to have it Cabot Cove, Maine. You can have it Cabbage, uh, Cabot, Cabot Hill, or have it set it in Atlanta. Or no, set it in Savannah because yeah, the inkwell yeah. is in Martha's Vineyard, right? Yeah, inkwell is in Martha's yeah. Vineyard. Or Savannah, or right. I'm trying to think of some other mysterious, you, to, you know, New Orleans. Everything um, black don't have to be in the south. No, I'm not thinking south. I'm thinking towns with mysterious pasts. I'm what trying to think of the one in 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 California. There's there's a little co uh, area in California that has that. Road brooding, you know the, like the atmosphere. Northeast. I like that northeast thing, you know, and, and I like the thing that Penelope said about the inkwell because I mm -hmm. think there's the, there's a perception that black people don't exist in that New England territory, and that's mm -hmm. like completely completely wrong. So I think, yeah, yeah, yeah some some place with some history to it. Yeah, but if the inkwell is a Marcus, yeah, really, really Marcus yeah, that's, I was agreeing with you once. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, place the only people. problem is, is we really want her, her aunt, aunt Jessica to show up because you know that there's gonna be murder soon after she oh, shows yeah. up. That's why. That, that's why it's called murder. She wrote. <laughs> Not called candy store. She wrote. <laughs> I'd be too worried. Who's gonna be me, the victim? What yeah, Aunt Jessica? Murder. What happened, Aunt Jessica? You know, it kind of like, for instance. I hope they don't mess it up like when they tried to redo Shaft and so adding all these extra people to it instead of just doing the Well, movie. you know, they tried to do Sam Jackson and Shaft. No. Yeah, no. I think they just found a, a Shaft. No, I mean, to be honest, Richard Roundtree is, is as bland as you could possibly be, but he's yeah. perfect for that role. Yeah. If you were casting it now, who would you put? Michael J. White. No, it's too much. I was thinking of um. Oh, I just I think be somebody like thirty five. I think you tone it down. No, I don't think he can. I gotta get somebody thirty five years old. Okay, let's see. To somebody thirty five years old ish. Yeah. Okay, I would pick John David uh, Washington. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Who? No, he can't act. Who? Oh no. I would pick the guy who is what's his name's brother, Stephen James's brother. What's his name? Anderson, who's not as good an actor, but you don't have to be that good in order to do Shaft. So I would choose him. Yeah, he may be good. Yeah. I think he could work in that kind of role. Yeah. Not a lot is required of him. Exactly. Not much is required. Yeah, but he would he would do that role okay. I had no idea they were siblings. 
No idea. I found out by mistake. But to be honest, though, either he or his brother both can do that role. Yeah, but if his brother did it, he would make it like into a super franchise. He would be so great. Well, what's wrong with that? See. No, I just I think you know, I don't want to you know. And Shaft was a franchise. Yeah, I think that he would do really, really well. But remember Shaft big be, score and Shaft. Yeah, and I don't want him to be kind of you know caught into that. You know, I think he's meant for you know bigger, better things. You know, like he did, uh, he's always played, like he played Jesse Owens, you know, he played, uh, who else? He do, um, he did Home, remember? Uh, yeah, I think he'd be good in that role. I, I think, think if they did Shaft again, I think he'd be good in that role. Yeah. Here's another bit of recasting trivia. When Donald Glover finally gets around to playing Jan, um, Young um, lady, see, um, my brain's just gone today with all the travel. Mm -hmm. So you can't do uh, trivia, so yeah, I know. Right. I'm, oh. I'm all screwed up. I know. Hold on, Lando. When John Glover, when Don, Donald Glover gets around to finally playing John, uh, young Lando Carisian, he'll be the same age as Billy D was when he played it the first time. Yeah, but it's younger. Oh. People are younger now. Oh. 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 Okay. That's, that's, how's that for some serious irony? Thanks to COVID mm -hmm. and all mm -hmm. of this other stuff, he'll be the same age Billy D was when he played the role. Isn't wow. that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Wow, man. That okay. is crazy. That is awful. Maybe you should, maybe you should choose somebody else. Yeah, they need to probably just choose somebody else. Because <laughs> Donald, Donald okay, Lover, like, he's, over, he's over 40 years old. Yeah, he's 45. And Billy oh, was no. Billy D was either forty five or forty. I think he had. They cast him when he was forty four. He did. They didn't start. He didn't play it until he was forty five, forty six. Oh, and he, no. yeah, Glover got to do some Colt forty five commercials. <laughs> so how's that for recap for casting? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. You did good. That's good. Colt forty five. Oh my goodness gracious. They'll hit you when you want to hit you. Whatever he said. Whatever Billy D said. What did he say on call 45? Come on, Francis. You know what he said. What did he what say? What did he say on call 45? The call 45 was good in a bottle, but not in a can. It wasn't good in a can. I don't know. I forgot what he said. Uh -huh. I, he said. He I said found the ad. <laughs> he said something. What did he say? I don't Hold know. On. I don't even remember. But I certainly remember him doing the commercials. I do remember I do that. Too. I do, too. And the can, like I said, the can wasn't as good as the bottle. I would not know. Works every, uh, Colt 45 works every time. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> I didn't buy it because of him anyway. We didn't buy it. Yeah, he came back in, 20, in 2016 to uh, do the... Uh, he reprised his role. As more liquor? More yeah. liquor is more liquor is good. Cold, cold it 40 works every time. Cold 40. Yeah. You're breaking up, man. That was our, that was our uh, liquid. Hold on. Stop. No, my computer's being possessed right now. Um, 
What were you going to say? No, I'm putting the, I put the link to the new Colt 45, well, quote, end quote, the 2016 no, version of the commercial. You don't need to. You don't need to put that in there, Sonia. <laughs> my my Coke 45 drinking days are over. You have to sing the song. We had a song. Had a song? Yeah. Remember the song. Uh, is it sooner or later? You're gonna get a Coke 45 or that? No. And you'll be sorry for all the time you wasted. Sooner or later, go 45 through that. That sounds pretty good, Cranston, but no, I don't, come on. You I don't remember that. You? No, I don't remember that. Cranston must remember it. Come on, Cranston. Unmute yourself and tell us how much you remember that song. He's muted. Because <laughs> you've been drinking Cold 45. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Or, or Comcast decided he was done. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's there. I don't know if it's sooner or later, Cold 45 song. But that's cool too. I don't. I don't think people who drink malt liquor. They're not. They're not persuaded by any of those advertisements. So I'm not sure who they're for. But maybe this other um, Colt 45 uh, things that you uh, that you have malt liquors out there. I, they're wasting their time on malt liquor drinkers for advertisement because people drink malt liquor. They they drink it by word of mouth. Mm-mm. So they're not, they're not, they're not, it doesn't matter to them, but, but, uh, but, what advertisement is out there. So, it's so awful. But, but it, your last question, I think one of the things that I, one of the roles I would replace would be Tom Selleck in, um, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think I would really like to see that. Mm-hmm. I just read an article that six other actors were considered before Keanu for The Matrix. And I read one going, really? They actually thought that person could do it? Yeah. Um, real last, the last person, well, the last person they approached was uh, Sandra Bullock. Well, Will Smith is one of them. Yeah. Hey, I understand. Remember when Larry Frischberg yeah. turned down the-, the role in Pulp Fiction because his agent told him he didn't want to, he didn't want to do a, a a, a movie but John Travolta because Travolta was a loser on losing street. He was on his own way down. So all you know, some crazy stuff is Hollywood and some crazy stuff are actors and their agents. Yeah. Well the other thing that comes in is when you were auditioning for the part and then the other guy showed up, like um they were uh considering when they were doing Thor they were considering uh, Tom Hiddleston as Thor. And he was looking good and stuff. And then, of course, Chris Hemsworth walks in the door. Actually, Chris got the role after his brother turned didn't work. Liam was the one that was first considered for Thor. Of the two brothers. And, and you, got, you can't tell me that Alec Baldwin didn't do a screen test for Batman. They don't know. No. And no one, no one, well, the I public, think, if I you remember back in the day, think... back in the day, people were just so, so up in arms about Michael Keaton being Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember. Oh, my gosh. He has a receding hairline and he's, he's not, not even six feet tall. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Now he's a quintessential Batman. And that's something. I thought he was great in um, Flash. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Okay, I see somebody I'm, got it on here. Is oh, going back to the Thor. Daniel Craig was considered for the first, was a, was offered Thor first. Then they went to Liam, and then Tom Hiddleston, and then Chris. Can you imagine uh, Daniel Craig in that Thor wig? That would have been ridiculous. Because he was supposed to show up in Doctor Strange as Thor's older brother. I can't remember the character's name. I'm sorry. Um, and they cut, because he was finishing up Bond, he couldn't do the part. Thank God. That no, in, in Madness. It was in the latest Doctor Strange. He was supposed to, when they do that multi thing, when they were doing the uh, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Illuminati for that group, mm -hmm. he was supposed to be one of the people in the chairs as Thor's big older brother. Balder. Balder. Yeah. He was supposed to play Balder. And because they had to do pickups for Bond, he had to step down. Well, you know, in the Marvel Universe, they do a lot of a lot of the casting to me they got wrong. I mean Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange and then uh Don Cheadle as War Machine and yeah, that they was just get a, casting just awful. They just got a lot of stuff wrong. They get a lot of casting wrong. You know, In just, fact, I mean they should I looked at it that Idris Elba should not have been in Thor. He should have been War Machine. You know, that yeah, would've, that would have been a much better, oh, a much better yeah. fit than Don Absolutely. Cheadle or, or what's his name in War as War Machine. That's okay. He wouldn't have wanted what happened to Don Cheadle's character in Secret Invasion. So I, yeah. I, I would have been really pissed if they had done to Idris what they did to Don Cheadle but in Secret been Invasion. If Idris and not Don Cheadle, they would have not done it. Yeah, exactly. No, they would have. They would have. They would have done this regardless. They they choked on Secret Invasion. But up to that point, up to that point, they would have looked at that and he would have said, "No, that's not going to happen." And they would have had to rewrite it. And up to that point, I would have enjoyed it more. I mean, that's the point, right? I mean, I don't know what's going to what your script says, you know, three years from now. But when I'm watching the film right now, I'm not enjoying Don Cheadle as War Machine. It's not, not it's either. not a it's not an enjoyable thing. And no. also whoever it was that played uh uh Captain Marvel, that was a miscast. She was horrible. I thought she was Did bad. Yeah, she was horrible. Yeah, I mean I, I don't know if she it's her horrible. or the directing. It's like she was I on was... Yeah, she was on a or something. It's like yeah, there's like no emotion What's at all. What's going on you know? with that? Yeah, but I've seen her do other stuff. I think that's more the directing. I didn't like the direction of that film. No, mm -mm. no, I did no not. And I, I think that a mistake that a lot of people make is because she's supposed to be this woman, she's kept a marvel, she's strong. It doesn't mean that you don't have any emotions, you know? That to be emotionless does not mean strength, it's you know? And then, and then I think Penelope, you were talking about Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, how the casting for Wonder Woman would have been different. Yeah, if I had done it, you know, I would have had Gina Carano as Wonder Woman. And I know she got kicked off of uh, Mandalorian because of her her uh, comments that you know irked people. 
about the Jews saying something about that. What happened? Anti-Semitic remarks. Well, so what she said was that it was the same of what happened to the, the Jews in Germany. That type of uh, you know, I guess intolerance, quote unquote, is the same as people being intolerant of other people's uh, political views, i.e. That she had these um in what people considered inappropriate political views and that they were being intolerant and putting it like to the level of what happened you know in nazi germany and people like no goodbye now you know what it is also that people lack knowledge of history it's the same thing like whoopi goldberg saying that the nazis weren't racist or something it just it's like, it's like, did you did you did you did you stay in school? Were you in? Yeah. Were you paying attention at the time? At at any point, did you watch any documentaries? You know, uh, did you ask any questions of people who might be able to give you answers instead of just coming up with your own thoughts? Yeah, you, you can't you can't do you can't do proper analogies about a Holocaust or or a regime that is totalitarian and, and kills people. And then say it's, it's like you know you're not being able to get a, a choice of sandwich at Subway. These are not the yeah. same. These are not. That's not an analogy and not a proper right. analogy. Yeah, and and the people took offense. So, but I think she was really good. She she had what was the film we saw her in? Haywire. Uh, Haywire. Yeah, I mean, great fight scenes, great physical presence. But the unfortunate thing is, you know, that everybody doesn't need to know everything that's going on in your head. Sometimes, I'm, I'm, as my sister is famous, like famous for saying, that's the reason why God gave you two ears and one mouth. Twice as much listening as you do talking. In her case, she should not have done any talking. You know, stay quiet. So yeah, but I think she would have made a great stand you know, across from you at all times and do that, you know, cut off motion before you finish that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Somebody always there to tell you stop, 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 stop. I mean, obviously she, you know, was doing okay. She got a you know a gig on Mandalorian, but didn't know just to keep her mouth shut. You know, sometimes you just gotta be quiet. You got a job. Hush, you know. Say something like something especially what ex, ex, especially since disney was considering giving her a spinoff yeah and it's at the time it's don't say things like something else unless you fully understand it they'll say this yeah and you know what i would say as long as you are working in hollywood and you want to keep working in hollywood you use your you know social media accounts to say Boy, the sun was really bright today. Don't you think? It was very nice. But no, it was something hot, is, but it was still very nice. Something is like That's something else. You know, like something say yeah, like somebody yeah. say, well somebody said the actor strike is like like what the Nazis did in in Christmas. No, 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 We don't say those things at all. You don't say those things at all. You just nothing say, is like nothing. Is pretty nothing is like nothing else. Nothing yeah, I ate a sandwich and I cut it on a diagonal today. That's yeah. what you say. That's all. That's, that's, things, that's all things are, historical things are not like other historical things. Yeah, not. just leave those alone. 
stay away from those types of conversations. Be cool. Be cool. Right. Um, Cranston, we were talking about, you know, trying to get ourselves signing off here and discussing, for instance, you know, again, you said nobody gets to do anything. Anybody off the street can act better than those individuals. But are there, are, is there any other uh, film that you think the casting was completely wrong or partially wrong or that you think someone else could have done better? Uh, I, I, I tend to be kind of forgiving. And I noticed, I think it's lazy reviewing when somebody uses something. Um, there, was a, there was a movie, the, uh, the first movie, Arrival, where they had cast uh, Charlie Sheen as an astronomer. And he didn't have to do any real astronomy or explain any numbers, but all people, every review started out saying they wouldn't believe Charlie Sheen as an astronomer. So that's kind of unfair for little things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and, and so most times I said, yeah, you know, there are other people that could have been a little different or something like that. But I probably after a while, you just says, okay, I'll overlook whatever that was and stuff they did. I wonder it was really bad, though, they shouldn't have done was, um, which just, just blew it all together, was when they cast Benedict Cumberbatch as a con in the mm, yeah. uh, Trek Into yeah. Darkness. What a why? The question is why? Why? Yeah, why? Sherlock. That was the only reason. Yeah, because there's no reason why he should have been con because i mean basically they could have gotten any indian actor to play that role yeah yeah and there's so many so many that could have played that role and johnny depp in tonto that's tonto any native actor played that role in the and i don't even like cumberbatch as i said as dr strange i think that was a miss miscast i think marvel yeah, once again did a lot of miscasting if they'd done it earlier, uh, what's his name? Julian, uh, what's his name from um, Nip Tuck? I think he would have made a great Doctor Strange. Yeah. He was Doctor Doom instead in Fantastic Four, but he would have made a great Doctor Strange. It's just bad. I mean, I, I think I think Cumberbatch doesn't come across. He just doesn't have that, that, that's, that certain ego. You know, it, it, it's something else that's needed in that in that role as Doctor Strange, other than what he had, what he brings to the role, I don't think he he can bring what's needed to the role. I think is uh, the original Doctor Strange film was off the mark. You know, um, he, they did not. You know, he was like a bad boyfriend type of person, but he was quite in the comic was quite arrogant, Doctor, and all his entire makeup is you know interwoven with what it was that he did and he was not a a healer he was a body mechanic he was more concerned with his ability to do the thing than he was with his patients and one of the comic books the woman comes and she tries to thank him for you know saving her brother and he's like you know basically who cares you know it wasn't about her brother's life it's about him showing how wonderful he is as a surgeon and when he had the accident and could no, no longer do certain, I mean, that's like the end of his life, pretty much. So he does not become, you know, a uh, master, you know, of uh, whatever. I mean, no, no, that he doesn't do that because he wants to become a better person. 
He does it because he thinks it's the only way he's going to be able to get his skills back to be a surgeon. That's all yeah. he wants. But I thought in the in the comic books, Doctor Strange doesn't lose control of his hands. It was something else. I can't remember. No, it is his hands. Yeah, he does. Perfect. Yeah, he does. And I think Tilda Tilda Swinton. Yeah, the, that was. Oh my that god, that was a miss. That was a miss. I they, I think they, they did not. Marvel Marvel does a horrible casting job. We, 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 I mean, they they hit it. They hit it with you know Katarika and. Man. Oh but yeah! They, oh, they yeah. got a bunch of they got a bunch of misses, and Black yeah, Panther. With, you know, Black Panther's yeah. a hit, but they yeah. got a bunch of misses, yeah. man. Yeah, that I don't know what they were thinking with that, but I'm gonna I just think that they they needed to give if they were gonna try to give that thing to Benedict Cumberbatch, they needed to give him more raw meat. You know, they really needed to make him go all the way almost to the edge of the most obnoxious, terrible, self-centered person that Dr. Strange is supposed to be. You know, he changes. You know, he changes. He has a, a very sharp character arc that, you know, from being someone who only thinks about himself, his own desires. That's why he's one of my favorite Marvel characters. And the character arc in Dr. Strange always been my favorite. You know, and I think that they they um they missed that. They messed up at Iron Fist and mm -hmm. Jessica, oh, Iron Jones, Fist. Jessica Jones. Was terrible. Iron Fist was terrible. That was so terrible. I mean, you have a guy who's supposed to be the best martial artist in this universe, I guess. And my God, he was so awful. I mean, he wasn't even good. You know, I got him so bad. I mean, I mean, he did not have any type of form. And I mean, they could have picked any martial artist. I mean, I mean, I, I just don't understand why they picked that guy. He was just so bad. They picked him as a dancer, thinking he could mimic the choreography better, and then told him, oh, no, you don't have to sit in on any rehearsals and, and the choreography practice. I mean, you really yeah, need to even, even yeah, but you have to be a martial artist. Even that's like true. That's that. like that's bad as choosing David Carradine over Bruce Lee. Yeah, because I mean, all the martial artists who watch kung fu, they have like you know a laughing fit because yep, he's not good, and that guy is worse than David Carradine. He's very bad. I mean, I don't understand why you know I you know they they picked him. I mean, they could literally go to any karate class in anybody's city, throw a rock and hit somebody that is a better martial artist than that guy. What is his name? Finn something. And not good. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. Like, you know, crying bad. Just, no. Mm. That's another series that stole my time too. The they owe me second, second season was good. No, they owe me some time. That's a second season. I like. I would have. I was hoping that they would have cast an Asian actor who, and changed the character slightly. That he was adopted and didn't know any of his ethnic past. You know, I history. thought that they should have done it. Like, what is his name? Um, what is his name? You know, what we're talking about uh, who is in Mortal Kombat now. Uh, that he should have played the role. He was actually in um, Iron Fist, and he did the drunken master role. 
I think that he should have been there because his, um, I think his mother is from England, his father was Chinese. And he said to deal with the issue of duality, yeah. you know, with that as well as the duality of being, you know, there from, you know, the other side and being, you know, from here, instead of being a much better um, show, I think. I don't it's because, the same the same deal with the guy who's playing uh Warrior on the, the HBO series. He's also has a that duality. So they you know they they, they have a number of people they can cho- choose chose, mm-hmm. but they, they chose who they chose. Yeah, and for what reason I do not know. Because I mean again, even Hollywood, let's face it, you can throw a rock and find somebody that is a better martial artist than that and a better actor. But they had a hit with the, with the casting in, in Daredevil. That was just on point. Oh my God, Daredevil was so good. Wow, that is so good that the Daredevil people, at least I was in Charlie, he, he is coming through to the next Marvel stuff. They're gonna bleed him in. Yeah. He was, he, he is so good. I mean, the Daredevil, the work they did on that was just amazing, amazing. Why to the point thought, where it freaked me out when I heard him first speak with his normal voice. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I was convinced he was a kid from from the New York City streets. And yeah, yeah, he was I mean, that he good. Like, uh, he sounds then that he way comes on, when he, uh, on uh, the HBO series. What's, a, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, uh, man, what is that? Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, and then he comes out and speaks with his British accent. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm mean, this very good, very good. And the choreography fight choreography in that is very good, very good. Um I just think that they took it seriously. You know, they really took their devil seriously. And for you know the audience, we were rewarded by them taking it so seriously. Well, it didn't help that the per- producers and all that on Iron Fist had no clue what Iron Fist was. Which is kind of crazy. I think you should go out and buy the comic books and read all the comic books. But you know what? That, oh, didn't, yeah. that didn't stop them from accepting the project. Yeah, that's so, a problem. You know, they and did the casting. It bothers me so much when you see shows and they have people that they're directing something and they sit there and they denigrate it. Oh, I did this thing. Now I'm having to do this. Like, then don't fucking do it. Go home and sit down and don't do it. Let someone who wants to do this, who thinks is the pinnacle of their existence to be able to do this, let them do it. Because you're um, disgust with having to lower yourself to do this bleeds through. Especially when you know that they have to pitch to get it. They just want Which the money. means you should have been doing the research. Yeah, but they just want the money. You know, they think the job is beneath them. They just want the money. And I think yeah, that, you know, but, you know I mean, so many people. The project is the project is thrown together, and you know, it's casting and everything else, mm-hmm. and it's a piece of garbage. Well, you know, it's, for instance, like Ryan Reynolds, who really wanted to Deadpool, and spent years getting that project. You know, the ground, the the grassroots people supporting that project. And now, he fits and he fits, I mean fits the comic book. That's right. <laughs> he fits, he, fits the song, like he he does yeah. that. And he yeah. wanted to do that and he got it done. And he doesn't look down on that role. You know, that's the thing he mm-hmm. wanted to do. 
and you get people all around you who are interested, who want to do here, who want to be there. But you have so many people who think that they are too good for the work, and nobody is ever too good for the work. Okay, you're you're at the the work, the, you at the top of the hour now. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let everybody go. I don't know uh, right now, I guess it's for anybody who's listening, that the BlurredCon had their uh, VR thing this evening. I think it goes on, I think for another, it was for three hours starting at seven, which is probably over now. So <laughs> I tried to get on earlier, but it, I couldn't get in it. But hopefully uh, some of you all were able to, to check it out and see what, what how it went. Um, we will of course be back again next week with more discussions from the otherhood. Hopefully we'll have everybody in the house then. Uh, James could not be with us because he's doing certifications. And um, that's all you all. So I mean, have a wonderful remainder of your weekend, have productive next week and have, um, I don't know, better night than I'm having right now. <laughs> Take care of yourself. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good night. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 